Derek Dove come to help us this morning. Amen. Give him a God bless you. He's Amen. God bless you. Turn around, hug somebody's neck. Welcome them to Grace Point this morning. Tell them we're glad to see them. Maybe if Derek keeps taking guitar lessons, he'll learn how to play that thing one day. Man, that was good. Enjoyed that. Pastor David's coming in, and uh, we want to have a presentation. Come on, Pastor David. Before we get into the Word, we'll let you be seated. morning guys Ooh, I see a bunch of happy faces I tell you what if you can't be happy after what you just heard ooh, you're wicked wet this morning I'm kind of like a possible I want to take a bite out of that chair in front of me oh mm. I've come in front of our family this morning to recognize and to honor one of my dear friends this morning Pastor Jan Powell she's been at this church She's been at this church for 24 years. 21. She's 21. 21. 21. See, we always get it wrong, but they always help us keep it right. Thank you. I got mine over there, I guarantee you. 21 years and been doing children's ministry for over 30 years. Pastor Jan is not leaving the church. She's fit to have knee replacement, and we want to pray for that in just a minute. But she's fixing to step down for a season. But you know what? I wanted to recognize, I wanted to honor her and let her know just how much she's appreciated, just how much she is loved for all the wonderful things that she has done, her leadership, her guidance. You know, anytime that I'm away, funerals, weddings, whatever, I never give it a second thought if Pastor Jan is here, I know that everything will be took care of, always. And you know what? I wanted her to know just how much that we loved her this morning and appreciated her. Time is precious. If it was a commodity and I had a bottle of it up here, there's not a person. I, if I said, who wants to buy about 10 years of time, if you could do that, you can't. We don't need to, praise the Lord. We know somebody that has it. Time will be nothing one day. It'll be no more. But for all the time that you've spent over there, for all the time that you have given, you've given of yourself, you've given of your money, you've given of your time, for all those times, every time that you see what we're going to present you with today, I want you to remember all those times, just how much you're loved. All those times, just remember how much of your family's here that appreciate you and how much we really, truly love you this morning. Teresa's going to pre present you with this today. Can we give her a hand clap of appreciation? We love you, Pastor Jan.
This is a clock that you can put by your desk, you can put by your bed or at your house, and you just remember every time you look at that clock just how much you're appreciated, just how much you are loved, and we're thankful for that. Could we pray for her? Let's pray. Stretch your hands this way. Father, I love you and I praise you today. We know all the things that are going on, and I'm going to say peace be still for this leg that's fixing to be touched. Lord, we'll take that healing in a shot. We'll take it in a pill. We'll take it in a surgery. But, Lord, I know the hospitals are nice. The medicine helps Jesus heals. We claim victory this day in the name of Jesus. We give you the glory, the honor, the praise, and the credit for what you have just done and all that you're doing. In Jesus' name. And everybody said with me. Amen. 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 God bless you. It's good to see you. If you'll stand again as we read the word of God this morning, God bless you. Uh, it is our custom to do so. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 23 and 24. Paul is writing to the church at Ephesus, and he's telling them to put off the old conduct, the old man, and then in verse 23, to be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you put on the new man, which was created, was, past tense, created according to God. And that's an amazing statement, that when you got born again, your spirit was created according to God, according to God in true righteousness and holiness. Something I want to talk about today is holiness. And when you talk about holiness, you can also include sanctification because they essentially mean the same thing. They both come from the same uh, root word. And uh, the word sanctified means to make holy, to make righteous. Um, it actually means to be purified to be consecrated, to be set apart to God, set apart for God. And uh, there is so much confusion even today. Uh, if you listen to how most people in the church teach sanctification, they say we're saved by grace, your salvation is a gift, but then you have to sanctify yourself. In other words, you align your life up, your behavior with Jesus, and you'll reach a point that you have sanctified yourself. And uh, that's not what the scripture teaches at all. Um, a dump can't clean itself up. has to have help. Uh, and so I can't just d to decide to set myself apart for God. But yet people try to do that. They attempt to do that. And uh, it never works because you never know when you've accomplished it because you never will. And it's a very frustrating religious endeavor that a lot of people get caught up in. And so today I just entitled this, it's Be Holy. The scripture does, and we're going to look at that scripture. It says to be holy, but it's not do holy. Amen? Now we're not advocating for you to live an unholy life, but we're just simply saying that the command in the scripture is not to do holy, it's to be holy. And so if God has made us holy when we got born again, then why would he encourage us, why would the scriptures exhort us to be holy if we already are? And so we're going to talk about that today. Amen? 
Let's pray. Father, we love you. Thank you for the word of God. Thank you for the worship and the praise and just being with you and your people in this, uh, this place. We give you glory, honor, and praise for all that you're doing in Jesus' name. Everybody said? Amen. Amen. You may be seated. God bless you. Uh, my granddaddy was a, uh, a pastor for 43 years in a denomination that still exists today, and I mean no, uh, nothing derogatory at all by naming it. It just happens to be part of our family story. But he was a holiness Baptist, holiness Baptist pastor. Uh, there is a holiness Baptist denomination. It's not very large uh, anymore like it was when he was younger. Uh, my granddaddy most of the time pastored the minimum of two, sometimes three churches, three different churches at the time. Uh, that's back when people would go to church one Sunday a month, you know, like some of you do. Oh, bad preacher, sorry. Uh, no, they, they, would, they would pastor. I remember he pastored a church over in Moultrie. He pastored one in Nashville. And they would go uh, almost like a circuit rider, they used to say in the old days. But he would go once a month to that church. He was the pastor of that church. They, met, they would meet on the first Sunday or the third Sunday or stuff like that. And then a lot of times if they had fifth Sunday, they would meet at a certain church and they would have a big, what they called the big meeting. And, uh, and I remember as a young boy being involved in, in those days. And, uh, and it was holiness Baptist. And holiness was a real key word. Now, and again, I'm just telling you the story. But we were raised that holiness was something that you did. Or holiness was something that you did not do. And for example, in my granddaddy's, he never had a television. Because it was not holy to have a television. In fact, in those days, many people would get saved, born again, and they would actually have services where people would haul their television, my dad would tell me this, down to the river bridge and throw them in. Now, many of those people would kind of backslide months later and be back at the department store buying them another one because they got, they got caught up in the enthusiasm, but they missed Bonanza, you know what I'm saying, or whatever the show was. And we lived our early life, really, uh, my early years around Christendom was that, was holiness is a lady doesn't cut her hair. Uh, she doesn't put on makeup. She doesn't wear uh, pants. That's holiness. Uh, you could recognize holiness people at the buffet counters. Well, those are holiness people. But, but can I say, and, and again, I mean nothing uh, negative towards anybody, any, any denomination, uh, but I'm so glad that I'm not involved in that. And I'm so glad that I've read the Bible and I found out that holiness is not something that you achieve, it's something you receive. And God is very much for holiness. And without holiness, no man shall see the Lord. So you're either going to be holy and see the Lord or you're going to be unholy and not see the Lord. Holiness is like pregnancy. You're not a little bit holy. No more than you are a little bit pregnant. You're either pregnant or you are not. You are either holy or you are not. Holiness is like righteousness in the Bible. It is a gift bestowed upon you from God. It is not anything that you've done to achieve it. It is something that was bestowed upon you as a gift. Now, where you're holy at is in your spirit. That's what got born again. Now, you know in the natural, when you got saved, you didn't get a new body, right? 
I mean, you didn't come to an altar except Jesus and your clothes fall off when you stand up because you're a different size now. In other words, you're the same body. You didn't get a new mind when you got born again. You can still remember things that you wish you couldn't remember. You remember things in your mind. But your mind then begins to go into the process of what Romans 12 and 1 calls being transformed. In other words, your mind, as we read, you, to be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Your mind is like a computer. Garbage in, garbage out. Good in, good out. Right? So your mind has to be transformed. There's a process going on with your mind. But listen, that has absolutely nothing to do with the term called sanctification. Sanctification and or holiness is a gift given to you, and it happens when you're born again. And so... Uh, you can't just decide that I'm going to be sanctified. Now, when I was a young boy growing up in church, people would have these testimony services, uh, sometimes especially like on Wednesday night. And, and this was a, this was a uh, common saying in our church as a, when I was a young boy. People would stand up and they would say, Pastor, you know, and they'd give thanks to God and, and, and everybody. And, but they, said, I'm, they would say this statement. They would say, I'm saved, sanctified, and filled with the Holy Ghost. Anybody ever heard that? They would say, I'm saved, sanctified, and filled with the Holy Ghost. Now, I was taught in that church that we got saved, you know, by Jesus, but then we were to come to the altar subsequent to that, and we were to seek and to pray for sanctification. Now, I never knew how you got it, because nothing happened when you got it, but you were just supposed to claim that you did get it. And they would say that I'm saved, sanctified, and filled with the Holy Spirit. But all three of those things happen to you when you're born again. The Jesus said, if any man has not the Spirit, they're none of his. They're, they're, the Holy Spirit is not a, an, an add-on. When you're born again, he indwells your born-again human spirit. And you are sanctified and you are given righteousness. Whose righteousness? Christ's righteousness. And so you can't just decide, well, I'm going to set my self apart from God I'm going to be holy or I'm going to be sanctified uh, you can't do it but yet people try to do this all the time now how do they try to do this they do this always by establishing a legalistic system of rules and regulations that fits their own nature and then they declare themselves holy by a standard that they themselves have set up and established do you hear me um this cannot work at all because the Bible says, God says, be holy even as I am holy. So what he's saying by that is be just as holy as I am. God has very high standards. And so in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 13 through 16, listen to what it says. He, uh, Peter's writing here and he says, Therefore gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and rest, look at this, rest your hope fully Upon what? Upon the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, not conforming yourselves to the former lust, and tell you how you used to live, as in your ignorance. But as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Because it is written, be holy for I am holy. Now, who said that statement? God did. Now, he's actually quoting from Leviticus, and it actually, God gives his command in Leviticus three different times. He, he tells them to be holy, for 
for I'm holy. Now, under the old covenant law, the way you redeemed holy is you kept all the commandments, which none of them ever did. So nobody ever achieved holiness. But under the new commandment, under the new covenant that we have with Jesus Christ, then that holiness is bestowed upon us. And so if we are already holy when we got born again, then, then why are there so many New Testament scriptures that seems to call us to be holy? Uh, the answer is pretty simple. What God's doing is he's calling us to be who we truly are. In other words, he's asking us not to be a hypocrite. In other words, he's saying, you are my sanctified, set-apart, holy children. How about acting like it? In other words, be who I made you to be. Now, holiness is not something that we're called upon to do in order that we may become holy. There's not anything that you can do to make yourself holy. There's not enough rules that you can keep, uh, things to obey that can, you can thereby achieve that and deem yourself holy and stand before God and say, I made myself holy. Do you see how arrogant that is? Uh, you're saying, I didn't need Jesus. I just needed the rule book. I got this on my own. I'll make my own self holy. You see how foolish that is? But holiness is something that we are to do because we have been made holy. In other words, be true to yourself. Don't be a hypocrite and act like you're still lost. You're born again. you got a born-again spirit. Uh, you're, you've been declared righteous because you've been given the righteousness of God. You've been declared holy. So live out of that revelation and manifest that. Now, where it gets confusing is there's some New Testament passage. I don't have time to cover them all today. That you could read it, and if, you're not, if you don't understand this, you could go, uh-huh, uh, sanctification is progressive. It is not progressive. It is instant. But your manifestation and my manifestation of that sanctification, I promise you, is progressive and will always be progressive as long as you're on this earth. In other words, nobody's going to ever achieve a level of sanctification and say, I'm manifesting the complete, perfect holiness of God in everything that I say and do. No way. Right? You agree with that, don't you? So that part of it is, is progressive. And there are whole denominations, and I can name what I want, that teach progressive sanctification to their members. They teach that it, is, it, it begins after you're born again and it is a progressive sanctification. No, it's not progressive. It's instant and gifted to you, but your manifestation of it. In other words, what you display, it's like I told you this one time in, uh, a long time ago, but it's like this. If you take a, a little uh, acorn and you plant an oak tree, and that's an oak tree, okay, and you have a, a sapling, you have a little small oak tree, uh, it's still an oak tree, right? I mean, you can't, you can't build a treehouse in it yet. You can't, birds are not going to build a nest in it when it's this high, but it's still an oak tree. And when it becomes a full-grown, mature tree, it's not any oakier. See how I made up words? It's not any oakier that it's a full, mature tree than it was when it was a little tree. It's just more mature now. And it displays more of its oakiness. <laughs> you got me? So when you're born again, you're declared holy and righteous and sanctified for God. Now, as you grow in the knowledge and the wisdom of the revelation of the Lord Jesus and his grace, you're going to display more of that. But you're not more righteous later. You're not more holy later. You're just maturing in the things of God. And you're able to display that to people that observe in your life. Good preaching, Pastor Dale. Thank you. 
Listen, sanctification is the work of God, not man. Now look in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 2. Paul writing to the church at Corinth. Anybody remember the church at Corinth? These guys were a lot of fun, right? Look what he says to them. He says, to the church of God, which is at Corinth. To those who are, what? Not going to be, not will be someday, not hope to be, but to those who are sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be what? Don't ever agree with anybody who says, well, we're just an old sinner saved by grace. That is a lie. If you're a sinner, get saved. Once you're saved, you're a saint. Claim the title. Live the life. Love the name. You're a saint. Saints are not just statues in front of Catholic churches. You are a saint. Well, I'm not trying to act like a saint or anything. How about trying to act like it? That's what we need in the church. We need saints to act like saints. We need holy people to live holy lives. We need righteous people to conduct themselves righteously. (laughs) To those who are sanctified, called to be saints, with all who in every place call on the name of Jesus Christ our Lord, both theirs and ours. Now I want you to notice something. Paul calls them sanctified in Christ. Where are you sanctified? In Christ. When you got born again, where did God place you? In Christ. If any man be in Christ, he is a new, not an old man with a paint job. He's a new creation. Brand new. God didn't want to spend the time it would take to work on the old you. So he crucified the old you on the cross with Christ and made you new. There was too much wrong with us. It would take too long. There would be too much work involved in it. So he just said, I'll make them new. It'll be born again. Come on. So now Paul calls them sanctified. Now listen to this. He says they are sanctified. That means they are holy. They are set apart. Yet he's about to rebuke them for non-Christ-like behavior. He's going to rebuke them for being fleshly-minded, divisive, selfish, and sexually immoral. He says they're guilty of all those things, but he says they're sanctified. Isn't that something? What did Paul do to address these saints at Corinth? He constantly reminded them of who they are in Christ and what they had been given through the new birth. He, he never uh, uh, made them try to feel guilty or all that kind of He just kept reminding them of what Christ had given them through the cross. And you know what he does? He tells them, stop, guys. He says, stop being distracted by what you were. Because that's not what you are. And that's not what you've been given. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9 through 11. Listen to this. He's, he's telling them this. He said, do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Now, I realize there's teaching that says everybody's going to heaven. And there's part of me that wishes that was true. Okay? But it's just not the case. Somebody's going to the lake of fire. They are, you know, somebody's not going to inherit the kingdom of God. And who, he says, is not going to inherit it? The unrighteous. Well, who's unrighteous? The lost people. Because when you get saved, you're gifted with righteousness. 
And the Bible never, ever alludes to nor calls you unrighteous again. Even though your behavior may not match up that righteousness that was gifted to you, Romans calls it the gift of righteousness. Whose righteousness was you gifted with? Christ's righteousness. And so live out of that. Live out of that. Remind yourself of who you are. So he said, do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Now here goes a list. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. And then he says an amazing thing. And such, in other words, this list I just named, Paul said, that, that was who you were. And such were some of you. He says, now some of you were homosexuals. Some of you were sodomites. Some of you were slanderers, extortioners, thieves, liars. That's who you were. But that's not who you are. But you were washed. You were sanctified. You were justified in the name of the Lord. What does justified mean? Made righteous. Made righteous. By the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. All right? Now, he says that's what you were. Now, when you, now a lot of preachers will take that list and make it a hit list. And I'll tell you something how people are. Everybody's got their pet sins that they hate because of an injustice done to them or a family member or somebody they loved or whatever, and it's their big sin. When I grew up in the church, I grew up in the church saying that homosexual people will never be born again, cannot be saved, and are damned and doomed for hell. That was our theology. It wasn't mine, but that's what I was taught. And so you, you, that's one thing. We never even, even considered that they could be saved. Once they cross that line, you know, uh, they said, you know, that they've been deceived to the point of believe a lie and be damned, and, they're, you know, they're done for. Just look at them with pity and move on. That's not true. I personally have ministered to many people who were homosexual and lesbian people and seen God change their life and, and solve their confusion problem that they were dealing with. And God loves them just as much as he does you. And I'm not trying to be political. I'm trying to be biblical. But everybody's got pet sins. I'll get in groups of people on little small groups sometimes and they'll ask me, can God forgive this? <laughs> well, what about this? And it's their sin that they deem to be the biggie. And whatever that is. If you were raised up in an alcoholic home with an abusive uh, family member, guess what you hate? Drunkenness. And you'll think anybody that takes a sip of any alcohol is just committing the most vile sin. That's not the case. But you're reacting to your, your pain, what you've gone through. And my heart goes out to you that. But don't try to rewrite the Bible to fit your life. And don't come up with vain, empty rules to try to impose upon people to make them fit your declaration of sanctification, holiness, or righteousness. When you read that list, if you're not careful, it sounds like God hates all these people or he hates people that do those things. But he doesn't. He loves homosexuals, thieves, liars. He loves drunkards. He loves all those people in that list. He loves them. You understand that? He, he loves them. And uh, when he walked the earth, he hung out with a lot of those type of people. He went to their parties. 
<laughs> That's what made. They said he's a wine bibber and a friend of sinners. Made the Pharisees all angry because he hung out with people like that. He talked with them. However, all these people on that list, none of those people will inherit the kingdom of God, and indeed they cannot. Why not? Because slanderers, thieves, drunkards, sliars, swindlers, who come to Jesus Christ don't remain drunkards, liars, thieves, swindlers, adulterers, and fornicators. Why? Because they have become new in Christ Jesus. Now, I hope you get this, but I did not say they would never again do those acts again. And I am in by no means endorsing and saying it's not a big deal, just keep living. No, no, I'm not saying that at all. But what I am saying, people get confused. See, Revelation 21 and 8, Revelation 21 and 8 says this right here. But the cowardly, he puts being a coward right up there with some real nasty sins. You ever been a coward? I'm talking about a coward for Jesus when you should have spoke up, but you didn't. That made you a coward. You should have said something. You should have prayed for the person. You should have just, no, you didn't because you was a coward. Good morning. Welcome to Grace Point. We're glad you're here. But the cowardly, I didn't write the book. I'm just reading out of it. The unbelieving. You ever unbelieve something? You ever didn't believe something in the Bible you should have believed? You're an unbeliever then. You are a believing unbeliever. The vile. What's well, a bad list to be on, isn't it? The murderers. The sexually immoral. Those who practice magic arts. The idolaters and all liars. Their place will be in the fiery lake of burning sulfur. This is the second death. Did I just read out the Bible? Well, I grew up hearing this statement a lot. All liars. You know where liars go. All liars. Listen, if everybody who has ever told a lie is not going to heaven, heaven is going to be empty. Some of y'all lied on this property today. How you doing? Fine, how you? Do you like this dress? Oh, it's beautiful. Man, I can't believe she wore that to church. <laughs> I'm not endorsing lying. And so what the, what the religious crowd or a bully with the Bible does with these type verses is then they begin, they begin to rail out against these specific sins. And they begin to gauge sins or rate sins and, and so forth and, and, and do all these things. And so here comes the difference. No one is going to go to, to the burning lake of fire, as it says here, because they liars. Because they told a lie. Nobody's going to go because they're a fornicator. Nobody's going to miss heaven because they're an adulterer or a fornicator or a liar or a thief or a reviler or a sodomite or a homosexual. None of those things. God has very high standards, so therefore no liars are admitted. And indeed, there are no liars in the kingdom. Only former liars who have been made into a new creation. Now, neither are there fornicators in the kingdom. 
but they are only former fornicators who have been made new. Are you starting to see what I'm trying to get you to see? See, this right here, what I'm trying to explain is why the good news is so good. Because the good news is, it's the happy announcement from God that God is in the business of turning old, damaged people into brand new, holy people. And taking his righteousness and his holiness and bestowing it upon them as a gift. And therefore, he turns slanderers and swindlers into saints and sons. Now, if this is just too much for you to swallow, then I want you to take a detour to the Bible's Hall of Fame. Anybody know where that is? Hebrews chapter 11. So here is a list of the Hall of Fame. Some people call it the Hall of Faith in the Old Testament of men and women who were all commended by God in the Scriptures for their faith. So let's take a look at these heroes in the Bible. We have figures of renown. We have Noah, who is a drunk. Parks the boat, gets out, plants a vineyard, gets drunk. Y'all just keep shouting like that, and I'll try to get through this. <laughs> Abraham, who lied like a dog every time he got in the bind, and not only that, slept with his maid. Jacob, whose whole life he was a deceiver and a swindler, if there ever was one. We have a murderer named Moses. We have a prostitute named Rahab. We have a king called David who took a man's wife, had sex with her, got her pregnant, and then had her husband killed to cover up the whole thing and lied about all of it before the nation of Israel. Live on CNN News, he did that. And yet God said, he is my son. So what does that make David what he did? It makes David a condemned man under the law. It makes him an adulterer and a murderer. And such a man like that will not inherit the kingdom of God because the Bible says he won't. Yet I am 100% thoroughly convinced that we will all meet King David in eternity in heaven. Now how do I know that? Because the Bible said David trusted in the one who makes all things new. And in God's eyes, David was not a murderer. He was not an adulterer. He was not a liar. He was the son of God, a son of God. And God gifted him and judged him by his righteousness and his holiness. And God set him apart. Now, sometimes people just don't get this. Some of you, some of you ain't getting this. And I've told you this before, that there is one sin, and we talked about it. I, I put out a recent blog on it. What is, the, what is the unforgivable sin? I wish people that comment on my stuff would actually read it before they have the intelligence to comment on it. Some people just read that and go, you know, one lady, I can't tell you what one lady wrote, but she was like, what the, you know, she said, I was raised and there was no unforgivable sin. Well, read your Bible. Because it says there is one that will not be forgiven in this world or in the world to come. And that is the sin against blaspheming of the Holy Spirit of God, which I go to great lengths to explain in there using the scriptures. And the only sin that God can't forgive you of is the sin of rejecting forgiveness through his son Jesus. 
So in other words, nobody's going to go to heaven. In other words, nobody's going to go to hell because they lied or they committed adultery or they did these horrible things. They're going to, because once you accept Jesus, you are forgiven past, present, and future of all sin. He took care of yours and the sin of the world, by the way. That's what the Bible says. And you are declared righteous and holy before God. And all God wants you to do is live out that revelation. Uh, he says, stop trying to be like the former you. Don't live in your old life. Because you know, people talk about a hypocrite as somebody that lives one way and comes to church. Well, that, that's kind of true. In other words, if you're being a hypocrite, you're not being true to who God made you to be. And somebody can keep throwing the rule book up and the sin list in front of you, but I promise you that will never change you. The Bible says, let us lay aside every sin and the weight thereof that so easily hinders us. How many remembers that scripture in the Bible? All right. And then you go, well, how do I do that? The next verse. Next verse. All right. He just told you to lay aside sin. In other words, as a believer, lay it aside. Stop doing it. Stop doing it. Well, how do I stop doing it, Brother Dale? Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of your faith. So how do you overcome sin? I'm talking about as a believer, looking unto Jesus. If you keep looking into your sin, you're never going to change. Because sin don't deliver sin. Jesus delivers. Jesus sets free. And so you put your focus on him and you live out of the revelation of what he accomplished for you on the cross. If you're not born again, get born again. Because you can't do this on your own. When you realize you can't save yourself, then you'll come to a Savior who can. Am I making any sense? So once you're born again, that's why there'll be no liars in heaven because nobody's called a liar. Do you understand in the, in the, God has always been a God of grace? And so when God starts enumerating all those names that I named in Hebrews 11 and many more, these people had some major sin problems in their conduct. But, and, and God sure didn't want them to live the life they did. But listen, when Abraham and the old covenant, when he lied and said, she's not my wife, she's my sister, you take her to your harem if you want to, as long as you don't kill me. Ain't no woman want a man like that. But that's what he did. And he didn't do it once, he did it twice. And his son, Isaac, told the same lie under the same circumstances. And then Jacob, the next generation, comes along, and his whole life is a lie. But yet, listen, listen to me. You think God was such a tough guy in the old covenant? He never rebuked any of those people for their sins, even when they did them. See how quiet it is? Why didn't God come to Abraham and say, man, stop lying. If you keep lying, I'm going to kill you. Or, or whatever, you know, why didn't he put him in it? He didn't do any of that. Why? Because the law hadn't came yet. See, Abraham's pre-law. We don't get the law till Moses comes. So all those people was doing all that stuff. God never mentions it. He always just calls them back to his purpose and plan for their life. Never even said boo about it. Never said you shouldn't do it. Never said I'm angry for you doing it. Why? Because it's grace. That's what grace does. That's why it's called grace. You don't deserve it. You didn't earn it. You didn't achieve it. It's just a gift. You're welcome, Jesus. You're welcome, Jesus. You're welcome. That's what, that's what it's about. And that's why when I got a hold of this 
and I'm still learning and I'm still growing. It changed my life. That's why I wrote a book about it. It changed, you know, and that's why I titled the book. Because uh, I heard all these myths, all this truth I got, I got in church, but it wasn't truth at all. It was religious rules and regulations, and it was a mixture of grace and law trying to achieve what was meant to be a gift. And so, last verse, I'm going to read 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 29, 30, and 31. This is the source of their spirituality and ours. 1 Corinthians 1, 29 says, God says that no flesh should glory in my presence. But of him you are in... Christ Jesus, who became for us wisdom from God and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. Wow, what a list. That, as it is written, he who glorifies, let him glory in the Lord. Now, this is what the Bible says your spirituality comes from. He said, there's nobody, God said, no flesh is going to glory in my presence. Nobody's going to walk up to my throne and say, I sanctified myself. Nobody's going to walk up and say, I kept all the rules, therefore I am righteous. Nobody's going to be able to say, I didn't need Jesus to come, I saved myself. I cleaned up my own junk. I got myself together. No, you didn't. No, you didn't. He says, I have been to you. I'm the wisdom that comes from God. I am your wisdom. I am your righteousness. I am your sanctification, which made you holy. And I am your redemption that saved you. And if you're going to glory, he said, glory in the Lord. Anybody want to anybody go to glory in? Don't glory in your flesh or any accomplishment that you've made. Just give God the glory. That's why worship is such a great time, just to give God glory. Just to worship God. Just to say, Father, I, I glorify you. I, I, I give you glory. And we're not standing before God by anything that we've accomplished. We're standing in Christ. How many times did you see today when I read, in Christ, in Christ? And I've told you the key to this is always, if any man is in Christ. Why did God put you in Christ? So he could treat you like Jesus. I love that. He put you in Christ so he could treat you like Christ. You're in Christ. And then the amazing thing that I can explain, I can read the verse and go hallelujah, is, is, is Christ in you. The hope of glory. In other words, mine and your hope of displaying any degree of glory is Christ in you. Remember the oak, little oak, big oak, but it's still oak. How about the verse that says that God will cause you to be transformed by that image of the one that you're staring at, which is Christ, the very image of him, from glory unto glory. Get the revelation. Not garbage to glory. Not garbage to glory, but you start out, your, your starting position is glory. And you're going to be transformed from glory to more glory. <laughs> oh, man. From righteousness to displaying more of that righteousness. You're holy. Your starting position, holy. Been declared holy. Been decreed holy. Been gifted holy. I'm holy. See, now listen. <laughs> Amen. That's the truth. And, and I, I'm just so honest with you, man. I grew up, when I got to be like a teenage uh, guy, I hated the word holiness. 
Because to me, holiness meant you can't do nothing. If it's fun, you can't do it. I remember being 12 years old and listening to a wholeness preacher rebuke my daddy for allowing me and my brother to play Little League Baseball. My daddy got so confused, he took us out of Little League there for a little bit because he was trying to be a holy man. I remember when Jill and I first got married in 1980. Y'all remember that way back there? We're coming up on 40 years. Can you believe that this year? But I remember I had people in my church telling me that I couldn't wear a ring. I couldn't even wear my wedding ring because that was considered jewelry. I remember I, so I quit doing that. I remember I laid my wedding ring and I told my wife, you know, we've been married all that long. I said, I'm, I'm going to, you know, why aren't you wearing your wedding ring? I said, because I'm, I'm not going to wear it because it's jewelry. It'd be holy. She said, well, I'll just quit wearing mine too then. I said, no, wait now, wait now. Hold up. You're too fine to be out there on that street without that ring on now. So I said, I'll put mine back on. I'll break that rule then. We just had to let God sort that out. And I know I've told you the story before. I can't make up a new life. The first time we ever went on a family get-together with all her family from out west and all, they met up at Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. I'm trying to be holy. I'm trying to obey every rule that my church told me to do in order to be holy man. So I didn't own a pair of shorts. You can't go out in the yard with shorts on. That's unholy. You sure can't take your shirt off in public. So we met at Myrtle Beach. So I'm looking at all her people who were mostly Baptist as just a bunch of heathens on their way to hell from a church pew. Really. I, I'm, not, I'm serious. It's just the truth. I'm looking down my religious nose at them, feeling sorry for them because they are, they are none of them going to heaven. But they think they are, and I just feel sorry for them. But... I'm going to heaven because I'm holy. So I swim in the ocean with long blue jeans and a T-shirt. I've always loved the beach, still do. Love the beach. And it's the truth. And I'm out there trying. You ever tried to swim with blue jeans full of water on? Just Now I'm out there swimming. Now they're looking at me like I, that she has married a nutcase. They're feeling sorry for her because she's got a weirdo husband that she's hauled up here to meet us. And the dude's out there in the ocean with long jeans and a T-shirt on. And I'm looking at them like, I don't know what y'all looking at me for. I'm going to go into heaven. Oh, y'all going to hell. It's what I'm thinking. See, that's why you don't understand where, I, where God's brought me from. That's why I hate this mess of religion. Because I was just as sincere as I could have possibly have been. And I was sincerely wrong about my view of God and about his Bible and what it took to go to heaven. And I thought that he had saved me, but now it was my job to keep myself saved and to, allow, to live in such a way that he was pleased with me and that I was acceptable in his sight and that I was a vessel that he could use. All of that is just a trap of religion. The Bible says without faith, it is impossible to please the Lord. I don't know why I didn't ever get that. I, I thought that without faith, you can't please the Lord, so I got to go get me a whole bunch of faith so I can please him. And he's trying to say that the faith, every man has been gifted the measure of faith. And without faith, 
Don't even try to please me. Faith in what? Faith in what Jesus has accomplished when he came to save us. That's where all of your faith, there's not some of your faith goes to that. All of our faith, the full measure of our faith and the full measure of everything goes upon Christ. And our boast is in him. And it's not like, you know, people that preach grace like I do, they get accused of all kind of stuff and, oh, they don't care and it's just sin, lies and all that. None of that's true. You sin less because you realize you've been loved more. And it's not about rules and regulations. I never, when I had my kids little and they were home, I never went down to the Department of Family and Children's Services and asked them could I get their law book on how to treat children and read it from page to page. I never had to read a book on how to treat my children and make sure I was obeying the rules. My relating to my children was based on a principle much higher than rules and regulations with my love for them. And when they messed up, they're still my, like my kid. And when they didn't mess up, they still my kid. When they obeyed my rules, they still my kid. When they disobeyed my rules, they still my kid. It doesn't change. And when you know that, guys, and you believe this, then you live out of that revelation that I'm holy. And I've had several people lately write me and want to know what, what, is, what is holiness or, or where does holiness fit in? Are we not supposed to be holy? Yeah, I've told you, in your conduct, Paul says be holy. Be ye holy. How holy we got to be? Holy as God. Holy as God. Jesus told us that in Matthew 5. And, and where's that going to come from? It comes from him. And once you realize that you've been gifted with that, then you start living out of that. And you know what that's called? It's, tr it's called being true to yourself of what God's made you. And, and, and you know where that's where the power to overcome sin is. I told you trying to overcome sin, focusing on sin is like trying to overcome eating chocolate pie while staring at chocolate pie. It's just not going to work for you. It actually is going to entice you to more. But when you focus on Jesus, that's where the power to lay aside these weights, lay aside these habits and these things. You receive it this morning. Would you stand to your feet and give God praise? Amen. Come on, give him praise for what he's done. I want our ministry team to come this morning, our elders and those that are here this morning to come and we, like always we want to give you an opportunity to, for prayer if you desire that this morning man we, 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 we're here to serve you we, it's our honor to pray for you and with you and we always want to do that and it doesn't matter what you want prayer for but if you want prayer if you just want to come up and just chat with us a little bit uh, we're here to do that as well just love you guys man I, I told somebody this past week I was talking to a pastor from another town on the phone and, and sincerely I, I, I feel so much expectancy this year uh, maybe it's just me, but not just. But I do. I really, and I, and I'm not talking about just for Grace Point, and I do for that. But I'm talking about for our nation, for our, for our world. If we if we just walk in what God's gifted us, like we talked about last Sunday, if you, if you just do that thing that you're already passionate about doing that God's called you to do, man, we, we're going to make such a difference in people's lives, and uh, and and your life's going to be fulfilled in doing that because you're just not focusing just on yourself. And you're starting to be that ambassador for Christ and, and, and you live your life out of what he's done for you. Man, there are so many people, if they really knew how good news the good news really is, they would, they would fill this place up. 
but they've come to church, they've been condemned, they've been beat up, they've been threatened, they've been all kind of stuff. And, and, and I, my heart goes out to preachers because what they're doing is just regurgitating what they've heard for the most part. And that's what all of us did. That's what I did growing up in church. But, but, when, I, but when you start approaching the Bible, one of the greatest things that ever happened to me personally was when God called me to start a church in Sparks, Georgia in, in March the 10th of, of, of 91, started Cornerstone Church. And I stepped out of the denomination I was in, not because there's something wrong with them or anything like that, but I didn't have that affiliation, and I was able just to approach the Bible without any uh, precursors, without any predisposed, you know, uh, position. And I just started reading the Bible from a fresh perspective for Bible's sake. Does that make sense? And that's where things started coming. That's, I realized, you know, this is not right, what I've been told here. This is not right, what I've been told here. And, and I, wasn't, I didn't approach the Bible to look for that. I was just reading the word of God, and God's spirit began to speak. And I remember I, I, one day we lived in a little trailer up in Sparks, and I was following all these wholeness rules. And, and, I, and I was doing these things. I, I had to wear my, I mean, they wouldn't allow you to have facial hair in the church. If you had facial hair, you, was, you, you, was, you wasn't going to heaven for some reason. I don't know. And then they had, I, I'm serious. I don't make mock. But this church that would preach against that, had a big, huge picture of Jesus with a full beard and long hair. I'm serious. It was behind the choir loft. It was a full picture. They finally gave it away, and they actually gave it to another church. I, I got, don't give too much detail. Then people probably don't even remember all this. This is a long time ago. But, but I went to that church one time when my dad, we, my, my grandmother was a member, and they had homecoming, and they would have dinner on the grounds. So, and then they would have gospel singing in the afternoon. And my, my, my dad was there with a tie on, and he had a beard. And I remember a guy got up, a preacher, to speak that afternoon. Not to preach, but just testimony. And he beat the daylights out of both of those things. If you wore a tie, I remember he said, you're trying to look like Hollywood and worldly. And he beat up about people with facial hair and stuff like that. And I felt so sorry. Even as a young kid, 12, 13, 14 years old, I looked over at my dad and I felt so sorry for my dad because he was the only one in that whole building that had a, be a tie and a beard, a beard, you know. And I thought about, if this is church here, man, I don't want to do with this here. And, and at that stage in my life, I kind of grew into hating the word holiness and it was, a, it was, it, it just, it was, to me, it was those people, those me, and to me, the, the meanest people I had ever met was holiness people, meanest people. And they would preach on Sunday against working on the Sabbath, which they call Sunday, which it is not. I didn't know that back then. And then they would leave the church and drive to a store and fill up the car and buy bread and sandwich meat and go home and, 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 and and so in other words, they, they would go to a store on what they called it. They would rebuke you for working on it, but they would go to the man that is working on it and buy from him. <laughs> Do you see how hypocritical that is? They would preach against smoking cigarettes and chewing tobacco, and half of them were farmers that planted tobacco. They said, if you smoke and use tobacco, you go into hell. And I was in a town, I was in Broxton, Georgia, and rode with the preacher and visited farmers in his church that were growing tobacco. It ain't wrong to grow it, it's just wrong to smoke it. <laughs> you can just take that and apply that to all kind of stuff. You see how foolish 
religion is? Religion's not smart at all. Religion will do really dumb stuff to you and through you if you yield to it. But you don't yield to it. We're not going to play that game no more. And I don't want anybody like, I don't, my grandkids will never have to go through that. They won't have to unlearn and undo and un go through all that because they're receiving the message of God's grace. And all these things that I tried to achieve and were, were, were things that God's gifted to us, okay? Can't you just feel free from religion, man? It just, oh, it feels so good. It feels so good. Now, to a lot of those people, some that are still alive, you know, they look at Brother Dale and they just feel sorry for me because they say, I have really compromised. There's people who will have nothing to do with me. They won't speak to me. They write things about me. And they say, I am just, I am something diabolical. But it's not true at all. I've just found out the good news is really good. Grace is really grace. And it leads us to, to, to walk in the path that he's made for us, his righteousness and wholeness. Amen. So if you want prayer, I'm going to pray uh, quickly and then dismiss you. And please come up for prayer. We'll be glad to, to pray with you over anything. Father, we praise you for the gift of holiness, the gift of righteousness, and for your sanctification and redemption that you've accomplished for us. We just say thank God for Jesus and what you came to do for us. We give you praise for that. I pray if one person here today is not... Lord God, accepted that sacrifice. Please let them believe in it today and accept you and receive that gift of grace and salvation. I pray for those watching on Facebook and those that hear this message. I pray the same for them as well. And Lord, we bless you for all that you're doing and all that you've done in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you, Grace Point. If you want prayer, come please. We're here waiting for you. God bless you.